0: In chapter 11, and it came to pass when Jabin, the king of Hazar, heard these things that he sent to Jobad, king of Madon, to the king of Shemron, to the king of South, and to the t- kings who were from the north in the mountains, in the plain of Shemeroth in the lowlands, and the heights of Dor on the west, to the Canaanites in the east, and in the west, the Amorites and Hittites, the Perizzites and Jebusites in the mountains, and the Hivites below Hermon in the land of Mizpah. Verse 4, so they went out, they and all their armies with them, as many people as the sand that is on the seashore, a multitude with very many horses and chariots. And when all these kings had met together, they came and camped together at the waters of Memron to fight against Israel. And so, Father, we pray that tonight as we go over these chapters, and there's a lot of names that are there, there's a lot of places that are mentioned, but, Lord, we can make application. We know tonight how it is, that you desire to each and every day continue to um, give us victory, for us to possess what you have for us, Lord, to stand on your promises, and to, Lord, just continue in that victorious, abundant living that you have for us. So, Father, bless this time. Help us be attentive as we come into this place after a long day. Many people working ever since early this morning, or uh, been throughout uh, doing uh, things all day long. We just pray that we would just settle down for um, this next 40 minutes or so, just to study your word, be renewed and refreshed in you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Now, you recall two weeks ago, as we finished chapter 10, Joshua and the children of Israel in the promised land, as the Lord had told them, Go in and possess the land that I've given to you. In As they're going in, they're conquering the land. We saw in chapter 10, the southern conquest. So the southern part of the promised land from Jerusalem down south to Kadesh, Bernia, is they've already conquered that land. Now is the northern conquest, and it's going to be about from Jerusalem up to, clear up to Mount Hermon, which is way up in the northern part of Israel. Matter of fact, we're going to see they're going to be up in that area which is today called Lebanon, some areas uh, even as far as Syria. And they're going to be possessing uh, the land that God has given to them. And so chapter 11 begins to describe that, how it is that the Canaanite kings began to, to gather together to come against the children of Israel. We saw that it was the southern tribes that did the same thing because they knew that unless we allied together, Uh, we're not going to stand a chance against the children of Israel. Well, they didn't stand a chance anyway. They were defeated. So the northern kings, those different tribes, they're coming together to try to stop the children of Israel uh, from taking the northern part of the land. And we see here that they're even a a larger army. It says in verse 4 that they had many people, as the sand is on the seashore, in multitude. They had many horses and many chariots, and of course, we discuss how the world and and, um, those groups and people, non-Christians, that they will band together to come against you and I that are Christians, and we're going to see that that number, I believe, could grow very much as we get closer to the return of the Lord, and there seems at times, just as they were looking at that armies of the Canaanites, horses and chariots, They're facing overwhelming odds. You see, they don't have any horses or chariots, the children of Israel. And so it'd be like facing tanks or something, and and the chariots and horses, very beneficial for battle. And so they're trusting in the Lord at this time. And, And you and I, as we walk in this world and as we are journeying through life, there are times where it seems overwhelming, doesn't it? The flesh comes against us, the enemy Satan comes against us, the world comes against us. They all band together and at times it could seem overwhelming that we're going to get run over by the horses and chariots of the world. Our flesh is rearing up its ugly head. It seems like the enemy Satan is continually attacking. But the message that is given to them is the same message that is given to us As we read in verse 6, But the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid because of them. For tomorrow about this time I will deliver all of them slain before Israel. You shall hamstring their horses and burn their chariots with fire. Now a couple things here. Over and over again we've seen that the Lord has repeated to the children of Israel when they get ready for battle, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why do you think that the Lord is saying that? Well, I think he's saying that because they're afraid. Because as they look at these horses and chariots... They're saying, wow, look at that, overwhelming odds, uh, huge army that we're facing, and the Lord has to remind them, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. And it's the same with you and me. We constantly have to be reminded, don't we? As we face the chariots and the horses of our enemies that come against us, we have to constantly be reminded that don't be afraid. You know, I'd like to be to that point where I'm never afraid. I'd like to be that point where I don't uh, get anxious or anything, but I'm not quite there. And the Lord is still working in me. And I like to think that I'm trusting more and I'm resting more in his love and in his word and in his promises. But I'll be honest with myself. There are times where the Lord has to come to me constantly and say, don't be afraid, Jeff, or don't get anxious about this. Or you keep looking to me. And it's interesting here that it is given the commandment to Joshua that what you're to do is not only don't be afraid, but what I want you to do is I want you to hamstring those horses and I want you to burn those chariots. And you can look at that and you can think, now why would the Lord have Joshua do that? Those chariots and those horses would be very beneficial for them, wouldn't they? I mean, that would be like conquering a bunch of uh, tanks or something. But, but the reason that the Lord is doing that is because he's teaching them a very important lesson, a lesson that you and I need to learn as we do battle in our spiritual life. And it's simply this. is that he wanted them to trust in the Lord, not trust in the horses and the chariots. And what can happen is as we gather those things, the horses and chariots in life, we begin to trust in those things rather than trusting the Lord. David would write in Psalm 20. It was a, a psalm for the nation. And, and David would write in uh, Psalm 20 that some trust in horses and some in chariots, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. And that's a good psalm to remember because oftentimes we want to trust in the horses and chariots of the world of life rather than looking and trusting in the Lord. He wants to give us victory, and he wants to us to learn that you look to me in life even in those times when it's overwhelming and so joshua this is what i want you to do what i want you to do is i want you to hamstring those horses that is cut their tendons so they can't be used in war any longer and i want you to burn those chariots and i'm going to give you victory you don't need to be afraid and that's in a very important message to me in my life and i know in yours in all of our lives as we journey through life and we meet the enemy and the enemy seems like it's just going to run us over you trust in the lord and you trust in His ways, and you trust in his ability to be able to bring you and I victory in our lives. And so here, verse 7, we see the victory that's given to them. So Joshua and all the people of war with him came against them suddenly by the waters of Merom, and they attacked them. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Israel, who defeated them and chased them into greater Sidon, into the brook Mezirpoth, into the valley of Mizpah eastward, and they attacked them until they left none of them remaining. So Joshua did to them, as the Lord had told him, he hamstrung their horses, and burned their chariots with fire. And so he left none of them remaining, as it says here. He left none of them remaining. As you do spiritual warfare, those things that will defeat us, come against us, as we go against those things, those things that will bring us down, don't leave any remaining, okay? The Lord says, I want you to get rid of all those things that will bring hurt to your spiritual life, that will bring hurt to your closeness with me, that will bring sin into your life, whatever it might be. And one of the things that Joshua did is he took the command of the Lord and he got rid of all that he was supposed to. And here the Lord has given him victory. And we need to say in our hearts and in our minds, Lord, these things that you've told me to get rid of, to put them aside, don't have any of them remaining. Help me to do that. Make the decision to do that. And Lord, then you give me the power to stay away from those things. You will not have spiritual victory in your life. You will not enter into the fullness of his blessing and, and his, um, what he has for you if you're playing around with the enemy or the pleasures of the world or the things of the world. But Lord, I am to get rid of these things in my life. And that's what Joshua did. He left none of them. And he humstrung the horses and burned the chariots with fire. In verse 10 we read, Joshua turned back at that time and took Hazar and struck his king with the sword. From Hazar was formerly the head of all those kingdoms. And he struck all the people who were in it with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying them. There was none left breathing. Then he burned Hazar with fire. So all the cities of those kings and all their kings Joshua took and struck with the edge of the sword. He utterly destroyed them as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded. But as for the cities that stood in the mounds, Israel burned none of them except Hazar only, which Joshua burned. And all the spoils of those cities and the livestock and the children of Israel took as booty for themselves. But they struck every man with the edge of the sword until they had destroyed them. And they left none breathing, as the Lord had commanded Moses his servants. So Joshua commanded Joshua, or Moses commanded Joshua. So Joshua did. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses and so notice it, that Joshua did all that the Lord commanded he did all that the Lord commanded aren't you noticing that and we're going to see it continually he did all that the Lord commanded him and that's my prayer for you and for me that when we read the commandments of the Lord and we see the principles and the truth that are given to you and I that we would say Lord work these things out in my life You see, one of the dangers can be as a Christian that we can read the commandments of the Lord, we can hear the principles and the truths, and we can say, well, you know what, that sounds good, but that isn't for me. I've had people sit up in my office and and they have a problem, they have a situation where they need answers or they're going through difficulties, and I'll say, this is what God's Word has to say about your circumstances, your situation that you're facing, and it's very clear what the Lord is saying, and they'll say to me, well, that doesn't work for me. Or I think I'm going to try something else. Or I'm going to go to another direction. I know when they're determined to do that, that they're going to end up going through rough waters and difficult times. The Lord, He gives us His commandments because He wants what's best for us. He desires for us to experience that life of blessing, that life... Uh, that he has for us as a christian to experience his rest and joy and and peace that he has for us to really experience the victory of standing in his promises as we move out in faith but we got to keep the commandments of the lord and he is not going to bless disobedience And Joshua here, he did all that the Lord commanded him, and he had victory. And that's a key. That's a simple key for you and for me that we're seeing repeated. Joshua did all that he commanded, all that he commanded. And I pray for you and I that when we hear the commandments of the Lord, we would say, yes, Lord, I'm in agreement with that. I hear what you're saying. Lord, help me work it out in my life through the Holy Spirit as you are enabling me to keep your commandments because, as I've said before, his commandments are his enablements. But what it takes is a heart that's willing to say, Lord, I want to yield to you. And I need your help when it comes to the area of the flesh. I need your help when I face the world. I don't want to get sucked into the world, but there's those poles and stuff. Lord, when I face the enemy, because I know that you're stronger than the enemy and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So Lord, you help me and your commandments are your enablements, but you make the decision that, Lord, I hear your voice and I'm going to agree with it and I'm going to agree with your commandments and I desire to just do what it is that you've told me to do, to live the principles and the truths and the commandments that your word has given to me. And that's what Joshua did. And Joshua had great victory because of that. So verse 16, thus Joshua took all this land, the mountain country all the south and all the land of Goshen, the lowland and the Jordan plain and the mountains of Israel and its lowlands from Mount Halak, And they ascent to Seir, even as far as Baal-gad, in the valley of Lebanon below Mount Hermon. He captured all their kings and struck them down and killed them. Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. Notice that? Verse 19, I'll come back to it. There was not a city that made peace with the children of Israel, except for the Hivites, the inhabitants of Gibeon, and all the others they took in battle. You remember the covenant Joshua made with the Gibeonites, uh, in the previous chapters, as they came and deceived Joshua, he made a covenant that he would not uh, kill them, but they became the slaves to the children of Israel. And so they did not, um, they, every other city they defeated except for um, the inhabitants of Gibeon. Verse 24, it was the Lord to harden their hearts that they should come up against Israel in battle, that he might utterly destroy them, and that they might receive no mercy, and that he might destroy them as the Lord had commanded Moses, And so we see that uh, this summary here of Joshua's conquest that is given, and we see that God's judgment was complete against the inhabitants of the land, giving them victory just as uh, God promised that he would in his word. But notice here in verse 18, I told you I'd come back to it. Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. This wasn't a one-week thing when they went into the promised land. This is now about five to seven years that they've been doing battle in the promised land. And I mention that because there's going to be more battles and there's going to be more conquests, and we're going to see here very shortly that the Lord's going to say to Joshua, Joshua, there's more land to possess. And I want to remind you that in our spiritual walk, when it comes to maturity and growing in the Lord, it takes time, folks. It does, doesn't it? We don't become super Christians all at once. But it takes time to, to grow in the Lord, to love the Lord, to grow in that love, to mature in the Lord and mature in the Word of God. Let the Lord do that work that He wants to do. And it's a continual thing that He does in us. But sometimes we think, you know, I've been a Christian for six months and I should have all this maturity. Uh, uh-uh, It's a continual thing. And there are some things that seem like in life that Man, you have victory over that doesn't take long, but there are other things that it seems like, Lord, I'm just continually battling with this thing. But as you're submitted to the Lord and as you, your heart is is towards the Lord and you're devoted to the Lord, he's going to give you that victory over time, but it takes time. And that's why I commend you guys for coming out on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings and You know, you've been here, you've been studying the word and you're continuing to grow. We're all in that process of growing, but we will always be doing war, And we always have the opportunity to grow and have those victories in our lives. Um, More and more victory, more and more maturity, more and more strength coming to us. But Joshua made war for a long time. And it didn't come easy. And um, it was something that he had to continually do. And it was a work that God was doing with him. And he will with us as you continually, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, that as you're doing war, spiritual warfare, that you allow the Lord to give you victory. And the reason I'm mentioning that, because I see too many Christians, that they're, you know, they're growing in the Word of God, they're doing well, they're growing in God's love, And it seems like, you know, things are happening and all of a sudden something happens. They start getting enamored a little bit with the world. They start going back to old hangouts and old habits and things like that. And pretty soon, all of a sudden, they're not interested in in going to church or serving the Lord or being in fellowship and those things. And one of the things for you and I is to keep moving forward. Joshua kept fighting and he kept fighting and taking the land and the work that was to be done and heeding the commandment of the Lord to go to battle. And that's what you and I are to do in our spiritual walk. And he'll give you victory after victory as you continue to do that. But don't get complacent, all right? And it takes a while to grow and mature. And the Lord's still doing that in my life. He's still growing me and maturing me. And I know that the Lord still wants to do that. And he'll continue to give me victory. And, and, and I get to see the Lord's blessing in the future as I just continue to stay close to him and put my hand to the plow and keep moving forward. So verse 21, At that time Joshua came and cut off the Anakins. You remember the Anakins? Those are the giants that the children of Israel were so afraid of. They defeated the Anakim there on the east side of the Jordan River. We'll see reference to that. But there's some more giants that are there they need to defeat. So Joshua came, cut off Anakim from the mountains, from Hebron, from Deber, from Enod, from all the mountains of Judah, and from the mountains of Israel. Joshua utterly destroyed them with their cities. None of Anakim were left in the land of the children of Israel. They remained only in Gaza, in Gath, and in Ashdod. Now, Gaza is where the Gaza Strip is today, if you look on a map, along the Mediterranean Sea, over towards Egypt. But that whole area from where Egypt would be, Gaza up north to Gath, and Ashdod would become the territory of who? The Philistines, right? Who is from one of the Philistines? Goliath, a giant. So this is where the giants are going to. And so um, the Philistines are going to be some of those cities that they did not conquer. And it's going to be a continual battle um, in the future with the children of Israel. So here, the Anakim, they're not left except in that area where the Philistines are going to be. So verse 23, Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord had said to Moses. And Joshua gave it as an inheritance to Israel according to their vision by their tribes. Then the land rested from war. Chapter 12, these are the kings of the land whom the children of Israel defeated and whose land they possessed on the other side of the Jordan towards the rising of the sun, from the river Anon to Mount Hermon and all the eastern Jordan plain. So this is a review. We'll go through it quickly of the kings conquered by Moses on the east side of the Jordan River. And uh, Reuben and Gad and half the tribe of manasseh would take that is an inheritance verse 2 one king was shihon king of the amorites who dwelt in heshbon and ruled half of gilead from Aor, which is on the bank of the river anon from the middle of that river even as far as the river jabbok which is on the border of the ammonites the river jabbok does that ring a bell with you the book of genesis where there was jacob he was all alone he had left Pandanaran with all his family and herds, and his uncle Laban had come against him, and so he couldn't go back because he was afraid uncle Laban would kill him. He's going back to, to Israel, to the land of Canaan, where he had fled his brother Esau. You recall that? He had tricked his brother Esau to where and his father into receiving the blessing. And so it was Esau that was going to kill Jacob. So here he is at this brook, Jabbok. And he's all alone. He sent his family away. He can't go backwards. He can't go forwards. And you see, Jacob was one. His name means heel snatcher, deceiver, conniver, whatever that meaning was for his name. And he really was that way in life. He was very together and very capable and always planning and scheming. But now, all of a sudden, he's stuck at this brook. Esau's got 400 men coming at you, Jacob. You can't go back to Laban, so you're stuck here at this brook. And all of a sudden, the Lord sneaks up on him, right? You remember the story? And begins to wrestle with him all night long. And he's wrestling all night long with them, And and says, you know, as, as the Lord touches the hip of Jacob and it comes out of socket, And then the Lord said to Jacob, Jacob, what is your name? And he had to say, Jacob. The Lord knew his name, but the Lord said, now your name is called Israel. And as you are growing in the Lord and maturing in the Lord, you know what you're going to find? There is going to be a time where you're going to find yourself at the Brook Jabbok. I guarantee You're going to find yourself at that brook where all of a sudden you're in a situation where you can't go forward and you can't go backwards and you can't connive and scheme and figure it out and all of this where you're going to have to cry out to the Lord and you may wrestle with it for a little bit. And you may wrestle with the Lord with it, but that's okay because he's going to win. And it may be a little bit painful. But the reason that he's doing it is because he wants to get you from Jacob to Israel. Where you were saying, you know what, Lord, you govern my life. And no more conniving and scheming and planning and plotting and all of this. But Lord, I want. I want you to govern me. And the Lord, you recall in that text that it was Jacob that said, I won't let you go, Lord, till you bless me. And Hosea, the Old Testament prophet, said that it was Jacob that said it with tears. And it was like Jacob was saying, Lord, I'm going to cling to you and I'm not going to let you go. I am tired of trying to do things on my own. And I'm going to hang on to you. As you grow in the Lord, as you mature in the Lord, you will find yourself at the Brook Jabbok. And it's a good place to be a place of brokenness and a place of surrender. And that's where the Lord wants to bring you. That's where He wants to bring me. And it may be in our lives that we find ourselves there more than once, right? But He wants to call you and I, Israel, governed by me. And you know what? As his socket was out of, uh, hip came out of socket, it says that he had to use a staff, a cane, to walk. His walk was never the same. And your walk and my walk will never be the same as well. Because we'll have to lean on the Lord just as Jacob had to learn to lean on that cane. And that's the place that the Lord wants to bring us. So that's that same brook that's there in the border of the Ammonites. In verse 3, the eastern Jordan plain from the Sea of Shemaroth, that's the Sea of Galilee, as far as the Sea of the Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, the road of Beth Shemamoth, and southward below the slopes of Pishkah. And the other king was Og, king of Bashan in his territory, who was of the remnant of the giants that dwelt in Ashtaroth and Drarii. And in verse 5, he reigned over Mount Hermon, which is way up north, as I mentioned, over Salkal, over all Bashan, as far as the border of the Geshurites and the Mahakathites, and over half of Gilead to the border of Shihon, king of Heshbon. And these Moses, the servant of the Lord, and the children of Israel, conquered. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, had given it as a possession to the Reubenites and Gadites and half the tribe of Manasseh. And in verse 7, And these are the kings of the country which Joshua and the children of Israel conquered on this side of the Jordan and the west from Baal Gad in the valley of Lebanon as far as Mount Halak and the ascent to Seir, which Joshua gave to the tribes of Israel as a possession according to their divisions. And the mountain country and the lowlands, in the Jordan plain and slopes and the wilderness in the south, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Verse nine: The king of Jericho, one, the king of Ai, which is beside Bethel. Now, verses ten through twenty-four. When you go bed tonight, that's good bedtime reading for you. So I'm going to give that as an assignment for you tonight, to go ahead and read that and read those kings. I'm not going to read all the names and stumble through it and all that, but I'm going to let you guys go through it. And some of these we've already looked at and talked about: Eglon and some of the others. Uh, that are mentioned there. So those are just the kings, I believe, 31 kings conquered uh, there um, by Joshua that are listed there. So chapter 13, we read, Now Joshua was old, advancing in years. And the Lord said to him, You are old, advancing in years. And there remains very much land yet to be possessed. I love verse 1 here. Joshua, you're getting old. You're advancing years. But I still have work for you to do. I still have work for you to do. You know, it shows me that the Lord can always use us, and I know that as we go through different seasons of our lives, that we're going to be used differently. I know that, you know, circumstances of life or or health or whatever, you know, plays a big role in it. Joshua was advanced in years, but Joshua, there's still land to possess. And I want to encourage all of you, whether you're young or you're old, that God still wants to use you and God still desires to bless you. I think, you know, Lord, what about in 10 years from now? You know, do I keep pastoring and and the Lord said, I'll let you know and stuff. But I really believe that, you know, I want to keep serving the Lord as long as I can, as long as I can as long as it enables me to, um, and blesses me to be able to do that. And, you know, we all go through, as we get older, different stages of our lives. And uh, one of the things that i love to try to encourage for you guys who are young, you guys have opportunities to serve the Lord, particularly the high schoolers and the young adults and you really can be used now, I tell the kids, and, and they are, and they're learning that, some of them. And and I wish I would have had somebody that said, you know what, God can use you, because I didn't. I didn't have that. So I thought God could never use me. And I went through a lot of my 20s thinking that, yeah, God could never use me, and, and um, what could I ever do for the Lord? And, and I want to encourage young people that you're sanctified now. God is sanctifying you and setting you apart. And some of you have opportunities to serve the Lord at a time in, in your life that, and do things and opportunities that you won't have later on. You see, when you get married and have a family and have responsibilities and things like that, and try to encourage them in that way rather than you know trying to go out and fly in the world and and I know that there's schools and things like that but you know what I mean I want to experience the world and all this other stuff now go for it in the lord now grow but all of us in different seasons of our lives whatever season that we might be in I believe that the lord can use you and the Lord desires for you to enjoy that, even as we get older. you know once in a while, when people get older they they want to try to find their youth and i I say you're not going to find it you're not going to find it, but you can enjoy the Lord now where you're at, and you can feel young in your heart and and I believe for every season of our lives that the Lord desires for us to enjoy it and be blessed and to grow and to be used, even if it's I'm at a point where I'm just going to pray for people. That's powerful. Or I can encourage. Or whatever it might be. But Joshua is old in years, and the Lord didn't say, okay, Joshua, I'm done with you. He said to Joshua, Joshua, there's still much more to... To possess, there's no more blessing I have for you. There's still more I want you to experience, Joshua. So, whatever season that we're in, the Lord wants to use you now, and He wants to continue to use you um, until you know He takes us home, or you know until we're not able to. And so, very encouraging. Chapter thirteen, verse one here, and this is the land that yet remains in territory the Philistines and all of the Geshurites. Uh, the Geshurites, you remember who the Geshurites are? I'm sure you do, but I'll remind you anyway. Um, the Geshurites, you recall that in First Samuel chapter um, uh, 27, that David had been running from Saul for many, many years. Saul had been pursuing David out in the wilderness. Do you realize that David ran from Saul for about 12 years? Can you imagine having somebody that wants, you know, to lop your head off for 12 years? And he's running in the wilderness and hiding in caves. He's got his mighty men that went from 400 to 600. So, David, at the end of that time where, where Saul's pursuing him, what he did is he went to the territory of the Philistines. And he talked to the king Achish, who gave him a city called Ziglag. And David acted like, hey, I'm going to align with you, the Philistines, now, and I'm going to fight against the Israelites. And David was fooling the Philistines so he could live in Ziglag. He was there for a year and a half with 600 of his mighty men. So their families, and, and here they are, and they would go and make these raids, and the king Ach- Achish thought that David was raiding the children of Israel. He wasn't. He was down raiding some of the tribes of the Canaanites. So one day, David and his 600 men are off away, and they come back, and everything's gone. Their family's gone. The possession's gone. Their homes are burnt down. Where the Geshurites came and burned the city down and, and took their family away captive and took all their kids can you imagine that happening and the 600 mighty men were so discouraged and upset about it they were about ready to stone david it was like they were saying okay david we've been running with you for all these years we've had enough we can't take it anymore So we're going to stone David. And it said that David was greatly distressed. And what did David do at that time? It says, Then he inquired of the Lord, and he was strengthened in the Lord. You know, in those times where we become greatly distressed, or we become anxious, or it's very difficult, or we go through loss, You know what the key is for you and for me? It was the key for David because we see it in the Psalms over and over again. That you strengthen yourself in the Lord. And as you go to the Lord and you're strengthening yourself in Him, how He desires to minister His strength and His comfort and His love to you. And to speak to you just as He did to David and said, David, now this is what I want you to do. And I know that we go through those times where man, we just get hit and we get discouraged and we're down, don't forget to go to the Lord. He's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He knows your heart. He knows that we're but dust and flesh and blood. And he has compassion for us and he desires to minister his love and his strength to us. But that's the key. You go to him and strengthen yourself in the Lord. And just cry out to him. Begin to read his word. Begin to rest in his word. And you will find like David did. That he'll begin to strengthen you at that time. So here are the Geshurites and from Syar, verse 3, which is east of Egypt as far as the border of Ekron, northward, which is counted as Canaanite. The five lords of the Philistine, the Gazites, the Ashdodites and the Ashkelonites and the Gittites and the Ekronites and the Abites. Now, all these cities are along the coast there. When you go into 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, there are five major cities of the Philistines that they were always doing battle against. And even in the book of Judges, we'll see it. Samson ended up in those towns. And uh, they didn't drive out these inhabitants, the Philistines and the Geshurites um, here. And um, They didn't um, drive them out uh, to where it became a problem later on. And they continually had to do battle. You see, if we don't drive out those things that the Lord desires for us to drive out and to get rid of, then they're going to come back and bite us later. Just as the Gershurites would come back and get David and his family and it became a problem later, it reminds me, you know, the story of Saul. Saul in First Samuel chapter 15. Remember he was told to kill all the Amalekites? Kill all the Amalekites, destroy them, all the sheep and the oxen, complete, wipe them out for what they did to the children of Israel in their wilderness wandering. So Saul goes and he brings back the king of the Amalekites and the best of the sheep and the oxen. Remember 1 Samuel 15? And Saul said to Samuel, I've done all that the Lord has commanded me to do. Oh, did you really? Then who is that? And who are they, these sheep? What's the buying of sheep in my ears? Samuel said. You didn't do all that the Lord commanded you to do. And so it was at that time that Saul was rejected as king. He almost did, but he didn't. But here's the thing. You know, it would be some years later that at the end of the book of 1 Samuel that you see that it was Saul along with his son Jonathan that was killed on Uh, mount gilboa by who an amalekite it will come back and bite you it will come back and it will bite you if you don't drive out those things that the lord is clearly telling you to drive out to get rid of those things that thing that's going to come back and do you harm and do you hurt and that's what happened with the gershonites that's what happened with the philistines they didn't conquer that's what happened with the amalekites so verse four, as far south to the land of Canaanites and, and Mer, um, Meera that belonged to the Sidonians as far as Apec and the border of the Amorites, the land of the Gebalites, and all Lebanon towards the sunrise, from Baal, Gab below, Mount Hermon, as far as the entrance of Hamath. So you're talking up north in Lebanon, up by Syria as well. And all the inhabitants of the mountains from Lebanon as far as the brook Mesherpoth and all the Sidonians, I will drive them out before the children of Israel. I Only divide it by Lot to Israel as an inheritance as I commanded you. Now, therefore, divide this land as an inheritance to the nine tribes and a half of the tribe of Manasseh. So two and a half tribes, Gab, Reuben, half of the tribe of Manasseh on the east side of the Jordan River, given to by Moses. On the west side, they're conquering nine and a half tribes, and we're going to see those allotments are going to be divided up here uh, as we continue on. So the land divided east of the Jordan, we're just going to hit this and kind of look at it very quickly. And the other half-tribe of Reubenites and Gadites received their inheritance with Moses had given them beyond the Jordan eastward as Moses the servant of the Lord had given them from Aor which is on the bank of the river Anon, to the town that is in the midst of the ravine and all the plain of Medeba as far as Dibon. Now all the cities of Shihon, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon, as far as the border of the children of Ammon. So it gives all of those borders, Gilead, um, all the, the, the territory there, verse 12, of all the king of Og and Bashan, and, um, and who reigned in Astaroth and Edrei, Drei, who remained in the remnant of the giants. For Moses had defeated and cast out these. Verse 13, Nevertheless, The children of Israel did not drive out the Geshurites or the Machathites, but the Gershites and the Machathites dwelt among the Israelites unto this day. Only the tribe of Levi he had given no inheritance. The sacrifices of the Lord God of Israel made by fire are their inheritance, as he said to them. The land of Reuben is mentioned in verses 15 through 23. And Moses gave to the tribe of the children of Reuben an inheritance according to their families. Their territory is given there. You can read that. And so let's go to verse 23. And the border of the children of Reuben, it was the bank of the Jordan. This was an inheritance of the children of Reuben according to their families, the cities, and their villages. So all those villages are listed there as it's an overview of their territory. And then the land of Gad in verses 24 through 28 um, that we see there. And um, as we look at that, uh, that's the sea of galilee in that area and southwards you remember jesus he went over on the other side of the sea of galilee to what the gadarenes the tribe of gad all right and so the gadarenes were in that area so moses verse 24 had given inheritance to the tribe of gad to the children of gad according to their family so their their borders are listed there in verses 25 through verse 28 And then in verse 29 through verse 33 is half of the tribe of Manasseh, which is the Sea of Galilee, northward is that area. So Moses also had given inheritance half the tribe of Manasseh. It was for half the tribe of the children of Manasseh, according to their families. And then their territories here are mentioned all in those verses there. You can read that if you want to get a map, an ancient uh, map, an atlas A biblical atlas that has that you can look at that map it out if you'd like to do that uh, on your own do some more in-depth study but let's look at chapter 14 very quickly and these are the areas of the children of israel inherited in the land of canaan which eliezer the priest joshua the son of nun and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of israel distributed as an inheritance to them their inheritance was by lot as the lord had commanded by the hand of moses for the nine tribes and a half tribe. So on the west side of the Jordan River is nine and a half tribes that are going to be given their allotments. And it is Joshua and Eleazar the priest that are casting lots for, you know, to divide up the land. They are going to go out and survey it. We're going to see. But it's going to be the Lord that's really determining. It isn't like they're, you know, playing craps or something, you know, just, you know, casting lots. Here they are is the Lord's going to determine the area in which they're going to get. We have something much, much better, don't we? We have the Holy Spirit that is in our hearts and in our lives directing us and guiding us every single day of our lives as we just walk with Him, as we just listen to the still, small voice of the Lord. It's a much, much better way. And so, verse 3: For Moses had given the inheritance of the two tribes and the half-tribe on the other side of Jordan, but the Levites had no inheritance among them. For the children of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim, and gave no part to the Levites in the land except the cities to dwell in. Remember, the Levites have no land. They have 48 cities in which they're going to live in, and we'll see those 48 cities as we continue on through Joshua. And verse 5: And the Lord had commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did, and they divided the land. And then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenazite, said to him, You know the word of the Lord, said to Moses, the man of God concerning you and me in Kadesh-Bernia. I was 40 years old when Moses the servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh-Bernia to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Remember Numbers 13? Second year of the Exodus, they come up to Kadesh-Bernia, send 12 spies in to spy out the land for 40 days. They come back. Caleb and Joshua said, it's a great land. Look at these great big grapes that they have and fruit. The other 10 spies said, yeah, but there's a problem. There's giants in the land. And so the children of Israel begin to complain and murmur and we can't go in and we're going to die out here in the wilderness and God's going to kill us and our children are going to die in the promised land. And the Lord said, that's it. You guys are going to die out here in the wilderness. You're going to stay here for 40 years till this generation dies and it's going to be your children that are going to go in and possess the land. The only two that came out of Egypt that went into the promised land was Joshua and Caleb. So this is the same Caleb here. So he's recounting. You remember? It was, I was 40 years old when that happened. And so verse eight, nevertheless, my brethren who went up and made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord, my God. So Moses swore on that day saying, surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever because you have wholly followed the Lord, my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive As he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, 85 years old. Yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then. So now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Isn't isn't that amazing? He was 40 years old in Numbers chapter 13. Now he's 45 years older. He's 85 and he's saying, I'm as strong as I was when I was 40 years old. Wouldn't that be amazing to say that? I think that the Lord desires for you to say that spiritually. That as we get older, that the Lord doesn't want us to just say, ah, uh, you know what, I'm dumb growing. I've done the church thing. I've done the Bible study thing. I've served the Lord. He desires for us again to continue to grow and to be strong. And that's what Caleb did. Guys, it doesn't stop. And I think that's something that I observed in the church too much that people think, well, I've gone to church. I went to church for five years. You know, I've done this thing. I served the Lord for a little bit. You know, I can kind of kick back. And, And that's kind of the mindset they have. No, you continue to be strong. You continue to be strong day after day, year after year. Caleb says, I'm as strong as I was 45 years ago. So he wants this mountain where the giants are. So verse 12, Now therefore give me this mountain, which the Lord spoke to that day, and which you heard on that day how Anakim was there, and that cities were great and fortified. It it may be that the Lord will be with me, so I will be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. And Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and the Kenazite to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron formerly was Kirjaf Arba. Abba was the greatest man among the Anakins, and the land had rest from the war. So Joshua 85 says, Moses said, that's my mountain with the giants on it. I want it. I'm as strong as I was. I'm going after that mountain. And he gets it. Because he was a man of faith. You know what? There's a key here, isn't there? You saw it three times. Verses 8, verses 9, verse 14. What is it? Verses 8, verses 9, verse 14. What? He wholly followed the Lord. You want to defeat giants in the enemy? You do what Caleb did. And he fully, wholly followed the Lord. And I want to be able to say that in my life and when I come to the end of my life. And I know that we all blow it. But Lord, I want to just wholly follow you, just as Joshua kept all the commandments of the Lord. And I know that as I do, the giants that I face, that they're going to go down, Lord, because you're going to do a marvelous work in me and through me. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for this time in your word, and we thank you for these wonderful principles and truths that are given to us. And, Father, I just pray that right now, as we just come to you and and worship for a few minutes, that If there are things that are in our life right now that, that, Lord, that we've been compromising or we get afraid of, that, Lord, right now that we would just rest in your love and in your promises. Lord, that we would confess and we would understand that you will give us the power, Lord, as we cry out to you, as we rely on you and submit to you, to, Lord, overcome the giants in our lives, the enemies, the horses, the chariots, whatever it might be. And that's the good news. As your children, you desire for us to to conquer and to, Lord, possess the things that you have for us. But, Lord, we also know that it comes a life wholly committed to you. So, Father, I pray that tonight, as we sing these songs, that would be our hearts, Lord, that I know you want me to continue to grow. You're still doing a work in me. You're still giving me victory. And Lord, I'm just going to trust in you. And I know that it's a process that none of us would ever get to the point of our lives where we think, I've arrived. But Lord, you want to continue to work. So Father, bless and minister and encourage right now. Bring comfort to those who need comforting and direction and guidance, strength. We know it comes from you as we trust in you just as they did. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen.